Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. This week I'm going to be uh, starting a series on the wonderful names of God. And I'm going to be looking at the Hebrew names of God. There's 15 of them that I'm going to be focusing on. And we're just going to look at these names. and, And as we look at them, we're going to see the different aspects of the character of God. And how important it is, how important names are. Uh, However, next week, I am going to be bringing a message. I'm going to talk about sanctuary. That's going to be the name of the the message. And uh, I want to share some things in regards to what the sanctuary of God really is. And uh, the um, things that we use this facility for. and the reason I'm doing this is because I know that there's some the people that uh, got a little uh, have a little bit of concern about the fact that we've used the the uh, this facility that we refer to as a sanctuary, although it's not uh, for Super Bowl party and playing uh, uh, cornhole and doing different things. And uh, here's the thing: I appreciate people who want to respect and honor God. So I'm not condemning anybody if you have those kind of concerns. But I can tell you, but I will say this, I want to share what I believe is a very biblical position on what this New Testament facility is all about. Uh, because it's not a sanctuary, although we refer to it. Now, I know I, I've talked to, to Susie Groves and, and Kenny um, their pastor in St. Albans refused to allow people to call it a sanctuary. He called it an auditorium because that's what it is. That's, this is not a sanctuary, although it's a place that we come and we set aside to worship and, and glorify God. But here's the sanctuary. We are the temple of God. This is a building. And I, can, I, I absolutely will be able to show you from Scripture that that's exactly the case. And yes, we need to honor this place when we are worshiping God. But what I want everybody to understand, and I'm probably saying more than I should right now. What I want everybody to understand is worship comes in many forms. It's not just this or this or dancing, singing, giving, listening to the word preached. Worship is everything you do, as long as you honor God. That's exactly right, Vince. Fellowship is a part of worship. Work is worship from a Jewish perspective. Work is more worship than this. Hallelujah. Okay, I better stop right there. But you know, I, just, I do want to explain my position. If anybody has any questions about that, uh, and I want to honor those people who have concerns because it's, you know, it's good. It's good that we're concerned about the, the things of God and honoring God and respecting God. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, respecting God, 
this morning. We're talking about the wonderful names of God. And there's so many uh, important things about names. I don't know how far I'm going to get into this message. i got 15 uh, names that I want to, to get uh, to share with you. I, am, I will be surprised if I get through the first one this morning. So you're going to have to bear with me. I'll do my best. But there's so much in each and every name that we need to understand. Uh, because it's so important to understand the character of our God. He's so much more. Everybody wants to talk about the love of God, and that's awesome. I love God, and I know God loves me, and He loves each and every one of you. But He is, he is much more than just a loving God. He's also about judgment and righteousness and holiness and truth. And honesty. And all kinds of things that our God is all about. He's also the God of prosperity. And providing for all your needs. He's the God that is present. Wherever we go. And whatever we do. So why is the name so important? Well, one of the things that we need to understand is that sometimes a name... Even from human perspective, a name uh, actually has something to do with the character of the individual or the uh, attributes of that person. Not whether they're a good or bad character, but just the attributes of our, uh, our personality. Many people uh, that God called, uh, God named them before they were even born. He told Isaiah, I knew you before you were in the womb. Before you were in the womb. He knew you. So he knows each and every one of us. So many of the people that were used by God were named by God. Or they had their names changed. Abram. Hebrew. Abraham. Exalted father was his name originally. That's what his dad named him. His father named him, earthly father. But God changed it to Avraham. Father of a multitude. There was a reason for that. Because he was going to be a father of multitudes. He is the father of three major religions in the earth today. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. The father of a multitude. Surely he is. His son Isaac was named by God himself. And it means he laughs. Like it was because his mother laughed. Jacob. Yokov. Means heel holder or supplanter. God changed his name to Israel. God prevails. And we know the twelve sons of Israel. In the New Testament, both John and Jesus were named by God. Jesus means Jehovah is grace, is a gracious giver. And Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So as we look at these different aspects of names, we can see how important names are. And knowing the names of God 
is very important from a spiritual perspective. Meaning of a name is so important when it comes to the names that we see in the, the, the Old Testament and New Testament in regards to God. In fact, a, a name speaks volumes about an individual sometimes. But names can also be a little bit confusing. And we need to uh, try to understand that a name, when, when somebody has a name attached to them for whatever purpose, it really doesn't speak about who that person is. How many have ever had nicknames or know people who have nicknames? Okay, uh, sometimes they, those nicknames have to do with what other people see in that person. Uh, my brother, my younger brother, he's all the time uh, talking about his friends, and I have no idea who he's talking about because he's always talking about them with their nicknames. And I have no idea who these people are. But if he told me about their name, I would know who he's talking about. But as he was growing up, each and every one of them had a nickname because it had something to do with, with who they were. Names are that important when it comes to believers in Jesus Christ. Do you know that each and every one of us who's a follower of Christ has a new name? That's what the scripture tells us. And only you will know that name. You and the Lord. Of course, everybody else will after you know it. Because you'll shout it as soon as you find out. Because it's going to be a glorious name. Important names. Names are so important. A thief broke into a person's house. And as he was looking around, there wasn't anybody there and shining a light around. And he heard a voice say, Jesus is watching you. He looked around, he couldn't find, didn't see anybody. And so he just went about his business taking what he was wanting to take. And then he heard, another, he heard the voice again, Jesus is watching you. And he swung around and he, he shone his light on a cage. And in a cage was a parrot. <laughs> he said, what? What are you doing? He said, I'm warning you, Jesus is watching you. He laughed. He said, I don't even believe in Jesus. By the way, what's your name? My name's Moses. He laughed and he said, what kind of person would name a parrot Moses? That's ridiculous. The parrot said, the same kind of person that, re, that would name a 150-pound Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> There's something about a name. Jesus is really the name above all names. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That name is not to be taken lightly. That's for sure. First name we're going to look at this morning. See how far I can get with this. Is Adonai. Adonai in the Old Testament. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Psalms 135.5 Now, here's what we need to, to see here. There's three different Hebrew words used here. Two of them are, uh, are rendered Lord 
and one of them is rendered gods. The first one is Jehovah, uh, and it's rendered, rendered Lord, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, it, I really think that that is not a very good rendering. This is in the, the New King James Version. Most of the time in the King James, it, it renders it Jehovah. Uh, the, uh, the next name is Adonai, which is what we're talking about this morning. Lord is above all gods or Elohim. And Elohim is, it can be false gods or in the right context, it can be, be the God of heaven. Or it can also be angels. In Genesis, we find that uh, the sons of God, the behind, See, I can't remember exactly how that's, uh, that phrase, Benai Elohim, that's what it is. Benai Elohim, which is the sons of God, came to earth and had relation with women, human women. Now, most conservative Bible scholars believe exactly what that text says. Those who try to explain away the supernatural would say those are the, the sons of Seth, but they're not. They're angels who came to earth and did something that God forbid them to do, have a relationship with a human woman. And in those days, there were mighty men, the Bible tells us. So Elohim can also refer to angels. That's the reason I went through all that. Sorry. Adonai actually means Lord, used as a proper name of God only. Before we can know God according to many of his other names and his other characteristics and attributes, we must know him as Lord and Master. He's worthy that our lives be poured out to him. He's worthy that we sacrifice everything in our life to serve him and to worship him. That means when you serve the Lord, when you make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is what holds some people back, because I don't want to sugarcoat this. This is what holds some people back from, from serving the Lord, and that is that God requires your life, everything about you. You cannot hold on to anything. You must let it go, all of it, and release it to Him. Now, I do recognize that this sometimes is a process in our life. It doesn't happen just like that in most people's life. Some people it does. Some people surrender everything right from the beginning. And most of us believe that we're surrendering everything to the Lord. But the reality is God just continues working on us and showing us new things in our life that we have not totally surrendered to Him. And each and every one of you know, right now, sitting in this place, you know if there's something in your life that you haven't surrendered to Him. If there's a part of your life that you're still holding on to, that you love so much that you cannot give it up or give it over to the Lord. He's speaking to you this morning. He wants to be Lord over that area of your life this very day. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, it's just our reasonable service to present ourselves holy and a right to a righteous God. It's nothing remarkable. It's nothing unusual for a born-again believer. It's just a reasonable service. He's our master, and we are the servants, and we do what the master tells us. If you do not know him as Lord, there can be grave consequences. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that, that you ha- if you haven't given up everything in your life and God's still working on you, that you will not receive salvation in Jesus Christ or you have not. I believe he does continue to work on people. But this, is, this scripture I'm going to share with you is very sobering and we need to consider it greatly. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The King James renders that lawlessness as iniquity. It's, in, in this case, in the Greek, it's kareos. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power to decide over, like a master over a servant. It's a title of honor. It's a, it expresses respect. And reverence with which servants would greet their master with respect and reverence. That's why I, you know, I, I, I don't want to be critical of someone who wants this place to be reverenced and understand the importance uh, of um, making sure that we respect this place. But this place can be re- respected based on whatever we're doing in this place. When we're worshiping Him, it's not a, a ta- uh, when we're worshiping like this with music or clapping or whatever, uh, listening to a sermon, it's not a place to be setting, uh, to be back there playing cornhole, right? Okay. It's not a place for, for people to be on their phones playing a game. It's not a place to have your mind wandering off into other. It's a place to reverence and respect our living God. But then there are times that we have fellowship. And we love fellowship. How many like fellowship? Yeah. We all like food. That's what we like. (laughs) Hallelujah. We like each other's company too. That's, That's awesome. That we have such a group of people that love being together, doing things together. This scripture in Matthew chapter 7 is very scary to me. I think it's something that we really need to uh, think about and make sure that we're working on constantly honoring our Father, making Him Lord of our life. Because it says here, if lifestyle... If, if your lifestyle is one of lawlessness or iniquity, Jesus will say, depart from me, 
because I never knew you and you never really knew me. In the Old Testament, there's three principal Hebrew words that are often used interchangeably for sin. David used all three in Psalms 32. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Psalms 32.5 In this one verse we see all three words used to describe different aspects of sin. Hatat which is most often translated sin, means to miss the mark. That's something every one of us does from time to time. We miss the mark. We're striving. We're trying. We, we, have, we have our bow drawn. We have the arrow loaded. And we're trying our best to hit the mark, but we miss it sometimes. We're striving for, for, for perfection. But we just aren't there yet. And never will be until Christ returns. But we strive for it. You keep striving. Keep doing it. Even though you miss the mark. You get back up. You grab another arrow. And you shoot again. Avon is the next one. Translated iniquity. It relates more to the inner character. And points to an... Um, Intentional twisting of a given standard. An intentional doing something that you know is wrong and continuing to do it. That's the important part here. You continue. Iniquity will overtake you. Iniquity will destroy you. Iniquity will control your life. Iniquitous sin shows up in alcoholism. Iniquitous sin shows up in drug abuse. Iniquitous sin shows up in people who over and over commit adultery. That's iniquitous, iniquitous sin that has control over that individual. It's an addiction. That's probably a good way to put iniquitous sin. It's an addiction to something. Not just drugs and alcohol, but something that drives us. Something that causes us, even though we don't want to sometimes, it drives you into that behavior. It's the kind of sin that people cry out to God to, to deliver them from. And He will. But sometimes you have to cry. You have to, you have to show you have to get on your knees before the living God and say, God, I don't want this any longer. The last one, Pesha, often translated as transgression, is more of a, a willful rebellion against the given standard. In other words, it's doing something that you know is not right. And... Just like missing the mark, this one happens to all of us from time to time. My wife is always constantly on me about driving the speed limit. That's the law. You're supposed to drive the speed limit. I don't like that law. 
And I have paid for it many times in the past. I think the last time, however, it's been a while. I think the last time it cost me $150. And I thought, wow, this is just too expensive. That's what, that's what that word means. It's, it's breaking the law. And knowing that you're breaking the law. Even when your spouse is sitting over there saying, how fast are you going? And she knows because she watches the this, speedometer. This so when we have a bone, iniquitous sin, we have found a way to justify our actions. You all know what I'm talking about. You've been there before. We somehow, in our mind, we, uh, we feel like we can uh, justify and we compromise what we know is something that is wrong, but we figure out a way to make our heart feel better about it. Because, oh, well, you know, this will be the last time. Or, you know, those people treated me bad, so, you know, I can indulge in this or whatever it is. The enemy is really good at convincing us that we should allow iniquity to control us. Iniquity is more deeply rooted. It refers to premeditated. A premeditated decision, premeditated choice. To commit iniquity is to continue Without repentance. So when you repent of it and you call out to God, then you can be set free and delivered from that iniquity. But let me tell you something. Iniquity, ask a drug addict, is very difficult to let go of. Regardless what kind it is. David's sin with Bathsheba that led to killing her husband was iniquitous sin that just kept growing and growing and growing. Controlled him and almost destroyed his nation. And finally, Nathan came to him and pointed out his sin and David finally repented of his sin and turned back to God. Here's what I want you to understand about iniquity and about any sin. All we have to do is call out to the living God. Oh God, I know my condition. Touch me. Save me. Set me free. He hears that prayer. Sometimes that's the first prayer he hears from a person. I need you, Lord. You know, we have, a, we have certain ways that, that we pray and to, bring, to, to, to lead somebody into a salvation or uh, uh, relationship with the Lord, but I want to tell you, I've heard story after story where people have just said, Lord, if you're real, show me. And it happens. Spirit of God comes into their life. We don't have to be so religious about these things. All we have to be is committed to seeking the Lord. So when Jesus said in Matthew, when he talked about works of iniquity, the works there, the Greek word, means to toil. It means work, any kind of a task. And iniquity in the Greek is a violation of the law. 
or wickedness. It's, it's the same as Evon in the Hebrew. When we work iniquity, it means that your lifestyle is not pleasing to the Lord in some area. There's a work of iniquity there. And you're unpleasing to Lord or Adonai. But most of the time we refuse to admit it. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So you see, you are the Lord's, but He's calling to you to depart from that iniquity that's in your sin, in your life. The Lord knows who, who His is. And He calls out to you, and you know. If you are the Lord's. If you're not. That can be taken care of. Very quickly and easily. Call out to the Lord. Lord if you're real. Show me. Scripture specifically identifies. The following iniquities. Bitterness can be iniquity. Greed is iniquity. Lust is iniquity. Stubbornness is iniquity. Now, these are just the ones that are pointed out in Scripture. There's a lot of other things. Spiritual iniquity is doing our own will of doing God's will. And it appears, and even, even though we're doing our own will, it may appear to everyone else that this is a good thing. But it's not. It's something that is opposed to what God is calling you to do. The psalmist declares this, that when we walk in God's ways, we do no iniquity. We understand iniquity and we run from it. Psalms 119, 1-3 says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. So we guard ourselves against iniquity when we understand His testimonies, when we understand His Word, when we allow His Word to grow in us. Here's the good news. There's no sin or iniquity so deep that Christ cannot forgive, heal, transform, set you free. None whatsoever. And many of us sitting in here can say, hallelujah, that is true. We've seen it. For he, talking about Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Hallelujah. So step one, admit you have iniquity. Step two, confess your iniquity. Step three, Allow Adonai, or Lord, to have a, do, a dominion over that area of your life. Because that's what He wants. No matter what it is. Bitterness, greed, lust, stubbornness, addiction, selfish ambitions, idolatry, idolatry, adultery. Jesus wants to be Adonai of your life. So that others can see it. And understand it. I can tell you this. When you make Jesus. Lord of your life. Others are going to see. 
that in you. They're going to notice there's something different about you. Bob Taylor told me that he worked in a plant. And once he, when he turned his life over to Jesus Christ, he went back in the plant. And he, he said, uh, he, he was greeted by, I don't know who it was, a, a foreman or something that said, you know, said something to him and uh, really looked at him kind of strange. And, and Bob, Bob walked into the other guys and he said, listen, guys, things are going to be different from now on. I'm not going to be using the same language, acting the same way, listen to the jokes and stuff that you, you guys uh, like to participate in. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior now. And when he said that, the guy that looked at him when he came in, he said, I knew there was something different about you the minute you walked in the door. People see that. People know it. And we can make a difference in other people's lives. I'm telling you, it's not always about preaching to people, although I believe we should do that. We should share the gospel. But we speak volumes with our life. When a Wycliffe translator, Doug Meland, and his wife moved into a village in Brazil, they were ministering to Felino Indians. They referred to him simply as the white man. Now, I want you to understand something. That was not uh, a good thing. Being referred to as a white man meant that they didn't trust him. They had been taken advantage of by many white men. They'd been abused. And uh, many things had happened. So being called the white man was kind of a derogatory term. But these uh, Indians, Felinos, after a period of time, after he started ministering to them and sharing, giving them medicine and taking care of them and sharing the gospel with them, after a while they started calling Doug the respectable white man in their language. When he and his wife began adapting the customs of the people and learning the Felino language, he got greater acceptance from them. He was called the White Indian. A great honor. And one day, as Doug was washing the dirty, bloody foot of a young man, trying to minister to him, uh, it was just a little uh, young boy, Felino boy. He overheard a, a bystander say to another one, Who ever heard of a white man washing an Indian's foot before? Certainly, this man is from God. From that day on, wherever Doug would go, when he'd go into people's homes, everyone would announce, Here comes the man God sent us. What an awesome example that is. Here comes the people God sent out there. Here we go. We're going out there this morning. We have a purpose. We have a calling. We have a reason. And it's bigger than us. It's more powerful than us. And it's not left to our own devices. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. To be a strong witness 
wherever we go. Because we serve Adonai, Lord of all. Stand with me. I want to take this opportunity this morning that if you'd like to have special prayer, if you feel like you have something that you just need to release to the Lord, come up and we'll pray with you. If, you have, if you'd like to have healing prayer, we'll do that as well. We're just going to spend a few moments here praying, believing that God is doing a work in people's hearts. So come on up. Otis is going to play softly in the background. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.